everybody welcome to another baseball america scout series podcast i'm kyle glazer we've got another great show for you today we are pleased to be joined by alan hall alan is the northwest cross checker for the atlanta braves but before that he was an area scout for the tampa bay rays in northern california from 2015 to 2019 and during that time he signed two players who made their big league debuts this year sammy long left-hander now with the giants and joe ryan right-hander now with the minnesota twins Alan's kind enough to join us from his home in San Ramon to talk mostly about Joe, but also a little bit about Sammy and his growth as a scout and how he got to be in the position he is. Alan, you've been a scout for almost a decade now, or actually a decade if you include your time as a video coordinator in the minor leagues. How did you get into scouting and what's your journey been through the scouting world? Yeah, um, you know, I played baseball growing up, uh, was a two year starter for my varsity team down in Southern California. I probably could have um, gotten, you know, played Juco ball or something like that, Division II ball, but school came easier for me than baseball. And so I went to UCLA, did my undergrad. And while I was there, a friend of mine helped me get an internship with the Dodgers. I did a game day internship. And that was really neat just to be around the, the stadium and be around the ballpark. And after I graduated, I went to Cal State Long Beach. I got my master's in sports management and continued to experience in like sports media. I did sales, um, which is a great life skill. And then um, after I graduated, I was able to get a minor league video video coordinator position with the Kansas City Royals in Omaha, Nebraska. And that was a really great experience just being around the game. Um, And I went to the winter meetings in 2010, trying to get like a, like a front office internship at the time. That was kind of the, the track I was trying to pursue. Um, and it just didn't work out for me. And so I ended up getting, but because I'd had the one year of video coordinator uh, experience, I was able to kind of have a little more control over my next year. And so like that was it, around the time when the Blue Jays had expanded their scouting department to one of the biggest in, in Major League Baseball. And I thought that was really exciting and I wanted to be a part of that. And um, I also knew that they had three full-time amateur and three full-time pro video scouting positions. And so, you know, as an, in, you know, aspiring baseball person, you got to like look for opportunities where you could look one step or two steps ahead and see kind of a path towards like a full-time job. And I, I just thought, you know, if things go my way, like I could potentially get a full-time job in scouting and I'm only two steps removed for, from potentially becoming a scout. And so I, I did that. I went to Las Vegas. I was a video coordinator there. I had a great experience. Like the coaching staff there were, was really great. They took me under their wing. Um, Marty Brown was the manager, longtime AAA manager, managed in Japan. Chad Matola was a hitting coach. He's now a big league hitting coach for the Rays. I got to share an office with him. And so like I got to pick his brain about you know, the different players on our team, the different players on the other teams, what he was seeing. And it was just so good to be around the ballpark every day and and in the clubhouse, kind of understand that culture. Um, And um, I also made a point, like most guys that do that job, they will sit in the press box because you got air conditioning, you got access to electricity, right? 
I actually would make a point to sit behind home plate because I wanted to sit where the scouts were sitting. And so I, you know, would drag my, you know, long extension cord with me and get there early. I'd be sitting in the 115 Las Vegas heat in khakis with a black laptop on my lap, right? Charting the game because like I wanted to sit with the scouts and, you know, most of the time pro scouts, if they're at a ballpark, they're going to be there for five days. And so if you introduce yourself, you have any feel, you know, you can kind of see like, oh, this person, you know, he doesn't want to be bothered. But there's other people that are like, hey, like you're trying to get into baseball, like I'll help you out kind of a thing. And so I actually like developed a lot of um, friendships and mentors, like people who are mentors to me to this day over that year. And so um, one day I remember there was a scout behind me and he was on the phone and he was talking about, he said some names that were familiar names in the Blue Jays scouting department. Um, and so I, I turned around and introduced myself, and it was Blake Crosby. And Blake is the national guy with the Blue Jays, but he was an area guy at the time. And we got to talking, and he said, you know, let's keep in touch. If anything comes up, you know, I'll, I'll help you out, right? And so that offseason, the guy who had been doing the West Coast video, the amateur video coordinator position, got promoted into an area. And Blake said, go ahead and contact our scouting director, Andrew Tinish. Let him know that I told you to contact him and let's take it from there. So I made arrangements with Andrew to interview in the winter meetings that year. It was the same situation as the year before. I was interviewing for some like player development internships, front office internships, but that was the only full-time job that I had in play. And so, um, you know, I interviewed with Andrew and I thought I had a good interview and I just told him very frankly, like, I really believe in what you guys are doing here and I want to be a part of it. And I think that helped. And, and I told him too that, you know, like I'm interviewing for other jobs, but if you offer me the job, I'll accept it on the spot. And so while I was out at the winter meetings, I get a phone call a couple of days later, you know, it's Andrew. He, he says, Hey, find me in the lobby. And um, um, he says, um, he says, I, I want to offer you this job. And before he even finished his sentence, I say, I accept. And he didn't, you know, he's like, Hey, hold on a second. Like, you got to find out how much you're getting paid. And honestly, it wouldn't have made any difference. Um, and so I got to, you know, move back down to Southern California where I was from. And I did that job I was, you know, able to scout the, the best players in the West coast for three years. I was able to do all the summer showcase events, area code, you know, tournament of stars, the Cape um, and scout the players there. I was able to write reports I mean, it was a great, you know, way to get my feet wet in scouting. And, um, you know, I got to work with some really great area guys and see how they went about doing their job and what they liked and what they looked for. And I got to work with some really great, you know, national and regional guys over that time. And so in the summer of 2014, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays um, had their areas open in the state of California. And I had developed a good relationship with Jake Wilson, the West Coast guy, over the three years I'd been doing the, the video. And so, you know, the, the, the video scouting position isn't really viewed as a career job. It's kind of a stepping stone job. And so, you know, the Rays asked for permission to interview me. I interviewed with R.J. Harrison, the scouting director. Rob Metzler was the assistant scouting director at the time. And Jake Wilson, the West Coast guy. And you know, they saw enough in me and had faith to take a chance on me. So that's kind of how I got into scouting. 
And you immediately were in a pretty talent-rich area. Some people, when they start out, they're in remote areas with a lot, a lot of hours in the car. And maybe if they're lucky, there's one or two draft guys in their region. You being in Northern California, you have major universities, you have a lot of high school talent. Just what was it like for you being thrust into such a talent-rich area right off the bat? Yeah, I mean, it it definitely came with some growing pains. Uh, You know, the first year you scout, you kind of don't know any better and you scout and you just put down what you see. And, you know, after a little bit, you start to sort of think you got the answers. And so, you know, I had some stuff happen where, you know, like 2016, my second year in the area, was a really strong year in Northern California. We had guys like Manning, uh, Corbin Burns, Dylan Carlson, Dalton Jeffries, like some really good players, right? A number of other high draft picks. And it was tough. I mean, it was like being thrown into the deep end. And, and I, you know, I'll be honest, I made some mistakes and some things that, you know, were great learning experiences, but I really just was incredibly fortunate that you know, RJ and Rob and Jake, like they, they, they encourage me to get better each year and to challenge myself. And, and so, you know, I mean, I feel like we did a good job, uh, but, but absolutely it was a challenge at times. And, you know, that kind of environment and the, the scouts in Northern California, that's a tough competitive group. And so it brings the best out of you. And so I really, in the early years focused on, um, doing the things that I could do, especially as somebody who didn't come from like an extensive playing or scouting background to like put myself in the best position. And some of that was stuff like just being really regimented in my process. Uh, you know, I, I got into the habit of, you know, team sheeting before your schools because I knew that you know, I need to be responsible and really on top of the players in those area, not just the eligible guys, but the underclassmen as well. You know, I really focused on building good relationships with the college coaches and the high school coaches and the, and, and the junior college coaches because those types of little things pay off over the long run. And, and I couldn't tell you how many times that, you know, those, you know, just, just trying to be um, really on top of my stuff. And, and also, um, you know, I knew even then that, you know, maybe there would be other guys that, you know, have been scouting longer than I have. But if I am in a ballpark every day, and working really hard, good things are going to happen. You mentioned that 2016 Northern California draft class, and this podcast will revolve around Joe Ryan. However, he was not your first big leaguer. Your -hmm. first big leaguer was someone you drafted in 2016. You scouted Sammy Long Mm -hmm. for the Rays, and the Rays selected him the 18th round out of Sacramento State that year. Long made his big league debut this year. He was your first big leaguer. What was it like for you, that emotion of your first big leaguer? I mean, it was was pretty cool. I actually saw it on Twitter for the first time and, and I got kind of emotional, you know, I mean, I've been scouting for, this was my seventh year as a, you know, full-time scout and I'd been scouting for 10, if you include my time doing video. And so it's like, it was kind of this culmination of all these years of work and, you know, it, all the credit of course goes to Sam and the coaches that he's had along the way, like his story is really remarkable, but like, just to like, you know, say that that was, that I was a small part of that. Like it was really cool. It was one of the coolest things I've ever been a part of. Did you watch his debut? I did. I did. Yeah. I was watching on TV. I didn't make the trip for it, but I was like pacing around nervous. I mean, but he did a good job. You know, he did a really good job in his debut. Yeah. Four innings, one hit, one run, one walk, seven strikeouts. Yeah. No, it was fun. Um, I mean, you know, Sammy, like, he really just worked so hard and he was able to work with some really good coaches, you know, like 
he was out of baseball for a time and, and, and was still pretty young and, and went to a facility up in Sacramento that sort of a velocity training program and, and, and was kind of turned himself into a different guy than he was as an amateur. And so all the credit goes to Sammy and his, the work he did and the coaches, but, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's, it's pretty fun to watch. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to jump into Joe Ryan and the process behind scouting him. First, we're going to take a quick break. And we're back with Alan Hall, the Braves Northwest cross checker, but formerly a area scout for the Tampa Bay Rays in Northern California. Alan, as we mentioned earlier, your first big leaguer was Sammy Long out of Sacramento State. Your second big leaguer was Joe Ryan, seventh round in the 2018 draft out of Cal State Stanislaus of Division II. And Joe had an interesting background. I actually remember writing him up for our Southern California draft coverage the year before. He'd had a really, really good summer in the Cape Cod League in 2016, went into that 2017 season at Cal State Northridge, considered one of the better pitching prospects in the draft, had an injury, it was a pulled muscle under his armpit through only six and a third innings. But he transferred from Cal State Northridge up to Cal State Stanislaus, had a very, very good year and showed enough for you to recommend that the Rays draft him in the seventh round that year. What did you see from Joe once he got up to Stanislaus? Yeah, so... Um... You know, there are times when you scout somebody and you have years and years of history with them, and that kind of informs your process. Um, but in his case, I actually, it was one where it came together really quickly at the end of the spring. And so um, I heard about him from my teammate down in Southern California, Greg Whitworth at the time. He called me and said, hey, we got this guy coming to your area. And, you know, he's a good teammate. So he let me know what he had seen. And, uh, you know, my supervisor had seen him as well, Jake Wilson. And so you know, with him being a fourth year guy and, and I'd heard that he'd had some kind of arm trouble. I, I actually didn't go see him that fall. Um, I was going to wait till the spring and, and 2018 was another really strong year in Northern California. Um, we had a really um, college pitching heavy season and we had some good position players as well. And so uh, the first time I went out to see him uh, was probably around April, beginning of April. Um, it would be finally my schedule had cleared up. I'd made my rounds through my existing prep list and felt comfortable with what I had on those guys to go see guys that I didn't know about or knew less about. And so um, I went out to Stanislaus and got there early, like I always do, and went down the line to see him warm up. And, um, you know, like right away, I mean, two, three throws in, it was really clear that this guy had like really good arm talent. I mean, the ball was just flying out of his hand. And then he kind of got extended and started doing his long toss. And it was like, like really, really good. I mean, he's throwing lasers from like 250 to 300 feet away. And it was like, I haven't seen very many guys do that. And so I was kind of excited before the game even started. Right. And uh, I went down, you know, behind home plate, you know, and, and uh, just so happened to actually sit next to his father. And uh, we kind of got to talking and he told me about, you know, his background as a water polar water polo player um and he pitched and had a really good game and and his fastball was really explosive and it had it showed a variety of different types of life there were times where it would ride there were other times it would pour in on right-handers there were other times where he would throw it to his glove side and it would come back to the far side of the plate and he would get strikes that way um and then there were other times where it would sink and it was just very unusual how well the ball came out of his hand. And it was really clear that he had a good fastball. Um, 
I think, you know, he, he punched, I think he punched out somewhere around 13 batters that day, six innings, had a good outing. He was up to 95, probably averaged around 92, um, showed a good changeup. I thought the changeup had a chance to be better than average. Um, and I thought the slider had a chance to be average down the road, but it needed more work. Um, but, you know, it was just the, the fastball characteristics and his ability to use his fastball. You know, that's the other thing about Joe is that, you know, I don't think that we talk enough about how good a command he has. And so, you know, I left the ballpark excited and was like, really like, and this is late in the year, you know, relatively. And so I, I kind of knew that there was some urgency to act. And so I called Jake right away and I told him, Hey, um, this guy's really interesting. And he, he, he had known about him and I told him what I saw and um, he, you know, he said, all right, look, I'm going to come up and see him. And I emailed my scouting director, Rob Metzler. And I told him, you know, what I'd seen, I was really excited. And he said, we're going to try to get you another look on this guy. And so um, Greg Whitworth went down and saw him and he liked him. And then Jake and I went and saw his last start because Stanislaus wasn't going to be making the playoffs that year. And so we went up to Chico state and we saw him pitch and he was throwing like a no hitter through six innings and he got like 15 swings and misses on his fastball. I mean, it was the same situation. I was like, Hey Jake, let's get there early. Let's watch this guy's long toss. Right. And Jake Wilson is an outstanding scout and he's, he's been a great mentor and friend to me. And um, you know, before Joe had thrown the first pitch in the game, Jake turned to me and gave him dabs and said, great work. Like that's how clear, like this guy's talent was. And so, um, you know, to answer, I guess to answer your question about what gave me the confidence to recommend this guy and, to recommend him as a starter it was like just how well his arm worked and how well his fastball played and his ability to use it um and you know like traditionally in scouting you know guys that you know maybe they're breaking balls their third pitch if they're a right-hander that's a profile that sometimes you know people don't like as much but for me just the way the fastball played I thought it would be an out pitch for him. And I thought it was going to be a plus big league offering. Um, um, and, you know, he, I mean, and then once I met Joe and kind of learned about his background, um, you know, like I thought there was a really good foundation in place that for him to have success as a starter. One of the things you mentioned, he had a lot of dominant outings. You go back and look at his lines from that year. It's, you know, Nine innings, two hits, two walks, eight strikeouts. Seven innings, four hits, one run, no walks, 11 strikeouts. A 15-strikeout game. A lot of double-digit strikeout games. But it did come against Division II competition. How do you kind of balance what you're seeing with the level of competition he's playing in a case like this? Yeah, it's challenging for sure. Um, With pitchers, it's a little easier when you're scouting at small colleges because stuff is kind of stuff, and we're visually assessing that stuff. And so – um, you know, I would say that um, in his case, you know, he had, you know, he has some physicality to him. He's a pretty big guy. He's got long wingspan and his actions are very good. His delivery, his arm action. He checks a lot of the scouting boxes. Um, and then as far as, you know, Velo, like there was Velo there. And I think because of his injury the year before, it took some time for him to build back to full strength. And so I don't think he was the same guy early in the year that he was late when I saw him in terms of the velo. But, um, you know, if you see a guy whose fastball gets a lot of swings and misses in the zone, uh, you know, almost at any level, that tells you something. 
And I've kind of been someone who's looked at a lot of those trends as far as pitch tracking and stuff like that from even my early years in scouting. And so I was kind of aware that, you know, these were attractive traits as far as, um, you know, induced vertical movement and things like that. You mentioned Jake Wilson song, Greg Metzler song, everyone's on board. What was the process of actually getting him selected in the seventh round of the 2018 draft? Yeah. So, you know, after Jake and I saw him, and I, and I give Jake a lot of credit too. Like he encouraged me to be aggressive because he really liked me too. And, you know, the two of us, I believe, I don't know for sure with Jake, but I'm pretty sure had him evaluated as better than a, fourth, a seventh rounder. And so, um, but with that said, you know, and, and, and going into the draft and my draft meetings, I presented him, you know, as a starting pitching prospect, as someone with an explosive fastball. And, and, you know, I could tell that, you know, there, there was some interest, you know, from, from my boss, Rob. And so, you know, at that point, um, and, and, and that year, 2018, I was lucky enough to get invited into the draft room. And so I actually got to kind of see the whole process play out. But, um, you know, I knew that, you know, I heard some buzz that he might go better than, you know, you know, maybe the beginning of day two type of a thing. But I also knew that just because he was a fourth year player and he uh, was a red shirt junior um, and was a, you know, breaking ball third guy, that there was some uncertainty there where, you know, it kind of complicates the outcomes for guys in the draft, especially like most people don't realize being a red shirt junior, it's a good thing, but it, it, it's complex and it can play out very differently. And so, um, you know, the draft's playing out and it gets to a point I thought I was worried that he was going to go better, but it kind of kept falling and it got to a point where we were comfortable taking him. And I think too, that Joe, you know, I, I was lucky enough to meet Joe before. And I think we developed a good relationship and trust and that relationship continues to this day. And, and so when we called and we kind of made him an offer, he, I think he was comfortable with me and comfortable with what I told him about what the Rays do in, you know, development and how, you know, we are really, you know, when I say we, the Rays are good with pitching. Like, I think a lot of that stuff appealed to him. How much discussion was there? You mentioned you were in the draft room. Was it very quick and simple? Hey, he's here. Let's take him. How much back and forth was there? You know, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't remember. I mean, I just remember for sure that, you know, we, we was, he was somebody that was, viewed positively at the time and, you know, was viewed among the, you know, attractive starting pitching prospects, you know, in sort of that category of the draft. And, you know, as far as on draft day itself, I mean, everything happens so fast and day two in particular, I mean, I'm sure, you know, you know, everything happens really fast. And so I think, you know, just on day two, players are flying off the board left and right. And, you know, just get to a point where it's like, you know, this is a guy that we like, like, and he fits here, you know what I mean? And so I think, and, and because we had presented him as somebody of greater value as a prospect than where we were in the draft, it was, you know, it was perceived as a good pick at that point, you know what I mean? And so that was part of it as well. His first full year, he goes out, he climbs three levels to double A and finishes second in the minors with 183 strikeouts, really put himself on the map. Did that even exceed your expectations for him, especially his first full year out in pro ball? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Like I, I knew that he had a really good fastball and I projected it as a plus big league pitch, but like, I didn't realize that there was going to be this whole discussion about his fastball and like it would become a thing. Um, so yeah. Um, every time you scout a player, 
you know, outside of the first few rounds, um, when they go into pro ball, there's always that little bit of question of how, you know, whatever it is they do is going to play. I mean, you get a guy in the first round, second round, like you feel pretty good about their ability, but like, you know, with Joe, again, like you were saying, he was a division two guy and, and, you know, and so I, it wasn't really until he went out his first summer and had a ton of success in the Penn league where I kind of felt really confident that what he was, that he was going to go out and have success. And then when he did in 2019, it was like, this is awesome. Yeah, you mentioned his fastball becoming a thing. Uh, people have talked a lot about it. He's just so fastball dominant, but he's been successful and the ride gets on it. It really is one of the more unique and ultimately successful pitches in, in the minors it had been. And he really did ride that pitch up the ladder to the majors. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's uh, he's just, you know, I mean, if you ever watch him pitch, and he does it to this day, when he, before each inning, he'll do the swimmer stretch, where he'll swing his arms back behind his shoulders and like the backs of his hands can touch. It's like, you know, Michael Phelps, right. And, and the amount of like shoulder mobility and amount of like, like his arm, the way his arm works is really unique in pro ball. And, and, and the way the ball comes out of his hand is unique. And, you know, the angles that he creates from his slot are unique and pitching unique is good because you don't want something that hitters have seen a lot before. Yeah, absolutely. And it certainly worked for him. 2020, obviously there's no minor league season. He spends the year at the alternate site. Coming into 2021, he obviously was someone considered on the cusp of the majors. But before he made his major league debut, he was selected to pitch for Team USA, both in the qualifier and the Olympics in Japan. I was down there in the qualifier, saw his start against the Dominican, where things were going really well early, ran into a little bit of trouble facing a really, really good lineup uh, the third time through that happens to a lot of pitchers. But overall, what was it like for you seeing Joe Ryan be selected to represent his country on, on a big international stage like that? It was really neat. I, mean, I was unbelievably happy for him and proud of him. And he did a great job. And, you know, I mean, just, you know, the last year with the pandemic and everything that everybody's been through and, you know, just to, to have that opportunity and represent the country, I, I was really happy. And it was fun to watch. I got to watch his starts, which is cool. So I was going to ask, did you wake up at 3 a.m. to watch his start in the Olympics? I DVR'd him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it was uh, it was definitely a lot of fun. And obviously, I was able to take home a silver medal as part of Team USA there. Yeah. While he was there in Tokyo, he got traded. <laughs> Seeing a player that you drafted traded for a player of Nelson Cruz's caliber. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, you know, I, I was really happy that, you know, that, you know, the, the guys with the Rays were able to, you know, get something that they felt that could help them. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm with the Braves now. And, but I still have friends and, you know, people that I, you know, root for over there. And so I was happy that they were able to do that. And yeah, you know, I, I above all else, I, I want what's best for Joe and, and, and Drew as well. And, and so um, I thought it was going to be a good situation for Joe. So I was happy for him. You know, I thought he was going to get a really good opportunity. And, you know, I knew that, you know, that I know a couple of people who work with the twins and I think they, they do a great job over there as well. And I just thought, you know, I thought it was going to be a good fit and, and I was really happy for him. I, I, you know, I don't know how, you know, they felt as far as getting traded. I'm sure that's a little bit jarring and stuff, but, um, you know, personally, I, I thought it was going to be good for them. How much contact have you maintained with Joe since he's been in pro ball you know, through the minors up to the majors and through this Olympic experience? 
Yeah. You know, I don't, I try not to bother those guys too much. You know, I, you know, they, they got the grind of the minor leagues and, and all, so on, but I check in with them every once in a while, you know, sometimes through texts and, you know, in the off season, you know, I may make a phone call um, actually through, you know, with my current job cross-checking, I was out in Durham um, maybe right before Joe left for the Olympics. And so I was able to get lunch with him and Drew um, and uh, catch up with them a little bit. Uh, and that was nice, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I think, I try to have a good relationship with the players before, you know, we draft them and I try to maintain that, you know, but again, I, I also try to leave, leave them alone and give them their space. And so in Joe's case, you know, I, I have a good relationship with him and, and he's a, he's a really exceptional young man. He goes over to the twins organization. September comes around. He gets the call, makes his first major league start September 1st at home against the Cubs. Were you watching? Yeah. Um, I actually made the trip out to Minneapolis for that one. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I I got to do that, you know, and and um, you know just because of the relationship I have with Joe and 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 you know had met his father and so I, I just did a quick day trip out to Minneapolis and he had fifty or seventy you know friends and family there and and I got to sit around them and see you know the excitement and stuff and it was really cool. I mean, it was an experience I'll never forget. His next start goes in to face the Cleveland Indians, takes a perfect game into the seventh inning. Were you watching and how nervous were you? Yeah, so I actually wasn't. I forgot that he was starting that day and I was picking up my kids from school and I got back to the, the house and I put on, I opened up Twitter and I saw that Joe was pitching. And so I opened up, you know, my computer and put the game on. And then I realized that he was throwing a perfect game. And so I watched from about the seventh inning until he was done, or sorry, the fifth inning until he was done. And I was nervous. I was, I was sitting, I was sweating. I mean, <laughs> but I was thinking, I mean, just, just knowing Joe and, you know, just the kind of crazy story, like I was thinking, man, he might do this. <laughs> so it was fun. It was really cool. Yeah, when Ahmed Rosario hit that single into left field, did your stomach sink a little bit? I mean, yeah, but I also knew that, you know, just because of where he was in the season and not having a lot of innings last year, like I knew, I'm sure they had a tough decision, you know, uh, with the pitch count and stuff. And so I was just doing the math as it was going. I'm like, he's going to have to have some really quick innings for this to play out well. Um, but yeah, I was. I mean, I, I mean, it would have been really fun if he had actually done it. Yeah, absolutely. He's got a bright future ahead. He should be part of the Twins rotation moving forward. And, and very clearly his first two career starts have gone well. Alan, you mentioned you've been doing this for a long time and to get your first two big leaguers in the same calendar year, what's that like for you? I would imagine it's tremendously rewarding after all the time and the work you've put in. Yeah, it is. It really is. I mean, you know, all the credit again goes to Joe and Sammy and all the players that are out there doing it. And, and, you know, each guy has a unique story, you know, that's unique to them, but, but, you know, it's really fun. It's what makes this job fun and what makes it rewarding. And, you know, we all make sacrifices in the game scouting and you know being away from our family and the drives and, and grinding and so you know when you see it all play out and for those guys to be able to achieve what is their dream right I mean this is their dream to make it to the big leagues like it's really it's really cool to be even a small part of that. You got some more on the way you mentioned Drew Strotman earlier he was also traded with Joe to the Twins he's another guy you signed they traded two guys you signed for Nelson Cruz uh, he's currently in AAA so he's knocking on the door as well and we look forward to seeing the rest of the guys you signed make it to the big league soon enough. 
Yeah, no, no question. Drew's a really talented guy and he's, he's right behind you. Absolutely. All right, Alan. Well, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story. We really, really appreciate it. And congrats again on getting two big leaguers this year. Thank you, Kyle. It was a pleasure. Once again, that was Alan Hall, the Northwest cross checker for the Atlanta Braves, formerly an area scout for the Tampa Bay Rays. Awesome stories. Uh, again, there's a lot of hard work that goes into scouting these players, a lot of hours on the road, as Alan mentioned, a lot of time away from families. And this is the reward, seeing guys that they sign make it to the major leagues. Having two in one year is always very, very exciting. And this is just a really, really cool moment for him. And we certainly look forward to seeing what Joe Ryan is able to do the rest of his career, as well as Sammy Long. This has been another edition of the Baseball America Scout Series podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. For Alan Hull, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everybody. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.